Welcome to Ohio Roots, the official podcast of the Ohio Genealogical Society. Join us as we embark on a captivating journey through Ohio's rich genealogy, history, and abundant resources. Hosted by me, OGS Executive Director Noel Poirier, this podcast brings you insightful conversations with a diverse array of guests, from OGS members, chapter leaders, and staff, to renowned genealogists, historians, and influential figures within the genealogical community. Each episode delves into fascinating topics and captivating stories. So grab your headphones, hit that play button, and join us on this enthralling journey of Ohio's roots. My guest on this episode of the Ohio Roots Podcast is Billy Fogarty. Billy is a full-time professional genealogist. Uh, she's past president of the Association of Professional Genealogists. She does a lot of speaking. Uh, she's very active with the Oklahoma Genealogical Society, with the Oklahoma Historical Society. But we're speaking to her today about something that I find particularly interesting, which is conducting research on your Native American ancestors. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed it. So let's get started. Well, thank you, Billy, for uh, joining me today for the Ohio Roots podcast. I, I'm, I've been really looking forward to this discussion since I first emailed you about it. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you about the, what the possibilities of doing genealogical research um, on Native American ancestors, and particularly those of the tribes that were associated with the state of Ohio, although I don't think we need to limit it to that, um, since Ohio uh, individuals, as you well know, I'm sure, went all over the country. <laughs> so so they could be all over the place. Um <laughs> I will start with a question I ask everybody, okay. um, which is, how did you get started? What, what, what was the impetus for your interest in even oh. doing genealogy at all? It is a, it's a two-phase answer. Uh, one is uh, when I first saw a genealogy publication, I was 10 years old, and we had just had uh, 10 Fifth grade is when you do American history, okay. usually in the, the curriculum. Okay. And so we had we had just studied about the American Revolution and all the, you know, George Washington and Virginia mm -hmm. and all, mm -hmm. all of that sort of thing. And my granddad, uh, we were at at his his house one day, and he brought out a small paperback book. That mm -hmm. was uh, his family surname, which was Cornwell. Okay. He, he brought that out and we were, you know, the family was looking through this thing. It had been published uh, just by hand, mostly uh, by his Aunt Mary. Mm -hmm. And uh, she had in the 1920s and 30s, she had written letters to family members that she knew about who were named Cornwell. She had five sons named Cornwell, and yeah. she was interested in passing that information along to them. The book uh, was titled um, uh, The Cornwell Family, and it traced uh, my granddad's uh, male line back okay. to the earliest one that she'd been able to find, who was Peyton Cornwell, who was born in 1774 in Virginia. Okay. Uh, and so that struck a note with me as a 10 year old. Right, right. We'd just been studying about that time period and George Washington and, and that whole process there. So it, it, it clicked through my mind that here was somebody who I could, I could trace the lineage. You know, here are the names and, and all she had in it was names, birth dates and places. Mm -hmm. Uh, marriage dates and places, right. 
and uh, death dates in places, but it was, and then all of the children. And I could see my mother, I, I wasn't old enough to be in it, but my mother was in it, my grandfather, I, I knew some of these right, things. Right. And it was like, oh my goodness, I wondered at that time if that ancestor, Peyton Cornwell, who was a child, probably about my age at mm -hmm. the time the revolution was going on, I wonder if he was affected. Right. If he knew that he was yeah. living in this time. Well, that was just kind of there and just a question. Mm -hmm. But I it suddenly dawned on me that I just wasn't, uh, I didn't just pop out of the cabbage patch. <laughs> I, I had a lineage and it, right. it was like, wow, how cool is this? Yeah. So I was always kind of his, history oriented. Mm. I taught history. I, you know, that was that was where I was interested. But I didn't get seriously interested until uh, we moved to Washington D.C. Okay, yeah. and literally my mother, you know, mothers, <laughs> <laughs> she uh, requested uh, make that demanded <laughs> that I go to the National Archives to sure. look up something because she had gotten interested. So my first trip to the National Archives in Washington, D.C. to look up a family record right. uh, hooked me for life. Yeah. And so that's kind of a, a long process, but it, uh, it's it been a long standing. You know, you know, it's interesting. You bring up a point, which I think I can relate to as a historian, um, is marriage, birth, marriage, and death dates are nice, and they uh, make everything yeah. very organized. Yes. Um, but knowing and wondering you know yes. about the stories of those names and dates yes. um for me has always been the motivation for doing any genealogy and and, oh. and and if you're like me i go off on tangents because i'll find a relative who actually has an interesting life and i'll spend way too much time on them when they're not really that related um so i i think that that's really great now one of your specialties and one of the reasons i wanted to talk to you today is is doing native american research yes. Um, particularly doing genealogy for Native American uh, lineages, what 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 are the greatest challenges for that? Because it seems to me that would be a huge challenge. Um, the the there are records, by the way, mm -hmm. sure. Um, but the challenge is usually that um, since I do this for other people, the challenge is that they have lost. Generally, the people who come to me have lost contact with uh, the tribe. Mm -hmm. they, sure. What they have is a story, a legend, if you will, right. that they have Native American ancestry. Well, sometimes they don't know the tribe. They right. don't know where it came in. They don't know sure. how far back. And so trying to to get that person now mm -hmm. into a place where they could have had contact with the tribe, where that that particular ancestor would have been recorded in mm. some uh, tribal document so that we can actually prove it. That's right. usually where the, the rub comes in. And, right. and sometimes when you look through that and try to trace that family story, mm -hmm. they have a, a particular person has put together what they think they were sure <laughs> sure right right and and the it, as it's handed down and it's always a a um a mixture of 
misinformation, mm-hmm. lost information, uh, and simply a, a lack of, of okay. credible information to do. So it's it's usually uh, disappointing when people mm-hmm. come and you say, well, first, we have to find from you back. Right. You can't just skip those generations yeah. to go back to the person that you believe is the the native. Right, native. right. It's usually, uh, well, people like to claim Cherokee because it's a big tribe. Sure, <laughs> so, sure. But not everybody's Cherokee. <laughs> so, <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned that there are resources um, there are. that people can chat can go after, and I think that's probably something that a lot of folks who don't delve into that area may not realize mm-hmm. um what what are those resources particularly i mean we can talk in general but also about ohio you think uh well one of the things that you know when people say i'm i'm a my specialty is indian research well mm-hmm. there really is not a such thing as that it's tribal right. research right right you must get to the tribe and you must know uh what that what that connection is with the the tribe itself mm-hmm. and uh the, those records all of them are uh tribal entities you have to know what that what that is so it's yes the federal government are uh was a big resource for written records mm-hmm. but you know ser- several of the the tribes themselves did have written records um those were few uh you know just a few of those most of the tribal history is more oral right right down rather than than written uh but also the when you end up with the tribe depending on the tribal history you're dealing with uh usually an indian agent mm-hmm. and you're going to be looking at records by their um by their own biases and right, right. lack of information about you know what they're seeing and what they're they're doing some were better than others so it it we depend on those those records uh, a right. lot uh to get to it once the uh United States government started moving people moving tribal nations out right. of where they were to make room for all the european settlers you have those written records from that point of view well that's often not the point of view of the members who were being forcibly removed right right uh, and so you you have a a bit of a a bit of a disconnect there mm-hmm. as to what the real history is and and what we have right. recorded. But generally, if they were going to be required to move, and usually that started, well, in the case of Ohio, right. that was one of the original Indian <clears throat> territories. Uh, right, right. Tribes were moved to there and ultimately then removed from Ohio. And uh, so... For for whatever it you know the tribes from Ohio moved generally uh, into Kansas, Oklahoma, right. Texas, some of the other states around, right. but moving always farther west. You know it's interesting. You you mentioned a couple things that I think people need to 
appreciate. And I think as historians, those of us who are trained as historians, we 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 recognize bias when we read it in historical <laughs> documents, um, whereas other people may not, um, because we're we're taught to do that. But and then you also mentioned the, the the idea of people were relocated, which which is which is the idea that you know when 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 I was taught history and I'm I'm in my fifties, um, I was told you know uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania, you know the Del- that the Delaware moved to Ohio, you know, <laughs> as as if they somehow you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. preferred to go to Ohio, um, and so you know that that movement when I think about documenting an ancestor who might have had connections, right. Mm-hmm. That that movement, that regular movement, you know, in the 18th and 19th centuries, maybe every 10 or 15 years they're moving. Oh, yeah. um, that has to be a huge challenge when you are doing what you were saying earlier of finding that person's ancestor who may have been in a physical place uh, where they might have interacted. Yes, yes. And, and that's, so. you know, sometimes I'll have people who, who are living in um, areas specifically the the Cherokee mm-hmm. where the Cherokee were not located right uh and and they will claim a particular tribe right not not having the knowledge to look at the tribe right, and to sure. say okay what was the history of this tribe you know when where was it when was it there and what were the movements of that tribe mm-hmm. and so sometimes those who who cling to those stories, they could very well be true. But mm-hmm. if you if the their ancestor was not no longer living as a tribal member in the community in the tribal setting, uh, trying to prove it is mm-hmm. we have no documents right. to, to uh, prove that. So it's sometimes a disappointment to. Mm-hmm. people to realize that that could be <laughs> yeah yeah but we can't prove it because uh they were not located where uh any interaction with the tribe would have taken mm-hmm. place and that that connection has been lost yeah and i, I yeah and i think when you talked about the idea of using you have records of indian agents and and, and government records and those things and when I think about, particularly with Native Americans, um, the idea of, uh, and particularly later, not necessarily Ohio specifically, but the use of Indian schools to deny yes. them their language and their history yes. and their and their culture, yes. and, and how that may also have impacted on our efforts as genealogists and historians to to find people. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that that's a rather sad uh, experience, mm-hmm. you know, for for our nation as well as those individual peoples right. so it uh, it's frustrating but sometimes yeah. it's just the way it is so one of the things that in ohio uh, which was very common here of course was uh, there were several moravian missions that were located yes. in, in ohio and then of course kind of on the fringes of indiana and michigan um established here and in reading uh, the diaries of, of men like john heckwelder and mortimer and zeisberger um you know what you discover is the the Native Americans at that time their names are obviously altered dramatically yes. <laughs> when when, yes. when they when they convert to Christianity, yes. and I'm I'm curious, uh, you know, how frequently just as with our with our immigrant ancestors whose names get anglicized, um, how common is that to find in your research and doing and doing Native American history? It's common, very common. Yeah. Uh, you will often, I mean, you you 
look for those records that will list both names. Mm -hmm. And of course, many times you're not dealing with just two names, not right. not just an anglicized or a, what they went by, but during different periods sure. of, of that person's life, they may have gone by different names depending on where they were in mm -hmm. their growth and development. Sure. And so it it's a it's something that you really, if you have that story, you really need to find out and learn about the history and culture of that particular tribe. Now, as I said, you may be sadly mistaken about which tribe it is, <laughs> but um, it's uh, it, and with, you know, we have 574 federally recognized right. tribes. So and, you know, that's an, another 35 or 40 state recognized tribe right. well each of those have a different history sure and uh a, a it's so important to recognize that it's not all the same right it's, it's not something that you want to skip over mm. you know and and because you won't find your ancestor unless yeah. you know where when they would have been connected where they would have been connected and right. does your family history if i can if i can find your ancestors in mm -hmm. every single us census record the the regular us right. census record uh we're not going to find them in the in the indian records yeah, because right. they would not have been counted yeah. in the census so it's it's uh, important that you look at that whole picture the Ohio Roots Podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Genealogical Society, the premier gateway for discovering your Ohio family history. To learn more about joining, visit www.ogs.org. If you enjoy listening to the Ohio Roots Podcast, we would really appreciate it if you could go to whatever platform it is that you listen and give us a good review. Reviews help us get more listeners and reach more people with Ohio Roots and what we're trying to do with the Ohio Genealogical Society. So please, leave us a nice review, and thanks for listening. When you're doing this kind of research, what, what for you is, is what, what's the highlight of doing that research for people? Like, what, what, what do you find, you know, really brings you great joy when you're doing, specifically, looking at folks who have asked you to, to try to trace their native roots? Finding their real story. Mm-hmm. Uh, their real history is is um, sometimes it's a disappointment that I didn't right. find what they were looking for. I couldn't prove that. Sure. But usually, well, as a case, uh, an example, I had someone who uh, they believed their ancestor was uh, a, a tribal member, uh, Choctaw in this particular okay. case, a and in Oklahoma. Well, they were there, and, but what I I proved was that yes, there were uh, three people by the name they had given me on the role, the Indian roles, the, mm -hmm. the Magic Dawes role, but none mm -hmm. of those three were their person. The mm -hmm. one that was their person was a a um, a minister, okay. and he was beloved by the the community where he lived. When he died, 10,000 people showed up in the streets mm. of the town wow. to celebrate this person and to honor. But he was not 
a tribal member. He was right. somebody who protected, who supported, who loved on them, right. and who had been a real part of that particular community, an important yeah. part of it, uh, but a, a true friend, but not a tribal member. Right. And so it, you know, it was like, look at this wonderful story that you yeah. now have of this wonderful person who was a friend of Indians, but no, they right. were not a tribal member. So they had, they had kind of a, 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 a yes, this is a, a disappointment, but sure. look at this. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, you know, in the era we live in, and I have to, I have to address it, I guess. Are there records that people can find online? Oh, yes. <laughs> because, absolutely. and if you would mind speaking to that a little bit, because I sure. know there are a lot of people who who either don't have access to a real library uh, or sure. or don't have the motivation to go to a library. Well, <laughs> well, a, a good many, as, as an Oklahoman, uh, the American mm -hmm. Indian Archives is located right. in Oklahoma City. Okay. And we have uh, there, it's uh, under the, under the care of the Oklahoma Historical Society. Okay. And it is it is a federal uh, it is a National Archives affiliate. Mm -hmm. And it uh, Congress actually passed the law that placed these records with the Oklahoma Historical Society okay. uh, the same year that the National Archives was uh, created. OK, so wow. they've been there the, yeah. the entire time. They are federal records. Uh, but they are held here. Well, in about uh, between 2012 and 2014, um, we were we the Oklahoma Historical Society was approached to uh, to bring a team. It was Ancestry.com. Okay, came. They physically came and uh, digitized some of the records that we had. Mm -hmm. In that collection, okay. they went to Fort Worth, Texas, at the Regional National Archives there, which is the records from the area where we are located. Okay, our our regional archives is Fort Worth. They they uh, digitized those records, and they also went to uh, Washington D.C the National Archives, and digitized those records having to do with uh, tribal government okay. interaction. Now, they didn't they didn't do everything. They never can. Right. But they did digitize a tremendous number of records. Uh, we had here in Oklahoma, we had records of uh, 67 of the 69 uh, tribes who have some uh, interaction with the state of Oklahoma. We had, okay. you know, that's a bunch of records. Of right, right. Tribes. We have 39 federally recognized tribes in the state of Oklahoma, wow. uh, but uh, who headquartered here, but 69 right. tribes who have had had something. We have okay. part of, of things, but sure. that's a tremendous a number of records. Those digitized records are on Ancestry.com. It is a paid prescription. Right, site. right. But most libraries have it mm -hmm. available where you can go in and look. It's all under the, it's a special collection okay. called the American Indian Collection. Okay. 
uh, or sometimes uh, Native American will be okay. also the designation. I think this one is American Indian. Yeah. You can go in there and see uh, if you check that. You can look at all of those. Those would be all of the special censuses that were of those areas that had large Indian public populations. Okay. They uh, they actually did every single year a census oh, wow. of those. Okay. Those records are wonderful. Yeah. Mean, you can follow people throughout. They uh, range from uh, about 1885 to okay. about 1940. Okay. So you've got a, a big group. That's all over the United States, not mm -hmm. just in this area, okay. not in just Oklahoma. That's a huge set of records. Yeah. Interestingly, the 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 five tribes uh, that most people are familiar with, the Cherokee, Choctaw, Chickasaw, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Creek or Muscogee Creek and Seminole, those five tribes are not in that census collection. Okay. They did their own censuses. Oh, OK. And so those also are on that website oh, wow. as well okay. uh, of course the national archives has uh, a, a big group of those that they have been digitizing mm -hmm. so that would be another place to look okay. um, there is an, a website it's a it's a private uh it's not by subscription but it's mm -hmm. called um accessible uh genealogy i believe uh, they have quite a few records that are not found other places okay. so that's another uh, resource and then you have uh, the tribes themselves most uh, I, I will say most of the the especially the larger tribes have a website mm. and usually on that website they will have uh, contact information. Sometimes they will have the uh, a uh, an application form if you want to apply to become a, a member of the tribe. Mm -hmm. They usually have their constitution okay. listed on the website, and that constitution is is where you want to go to see what are the requirements if mm -hmm. I want to apply for tribal right. membership. Well, what is their base role? Sure. What, are they, what do you have to prove to? And mm -hmm. sometimes most of those are much later than what people believe. Right. And so there will there will not be the, the there will not be a tribal role that that is their base role. You must prove mm -hmm. from that. Right. So that's where people get yeah. caught up in what do I do? Yeah, it's interesting, you know, when, when folks come to the OGS library, you know, getting started, a lot of times their motivation is almost kind of like what you talked about when you were looking for your ancestor in the revolution. But their motivation might be, I want to know if my ancestor came over on the Mayflower or was yeah. it Jamestown or this, that or the other thing. When people are come to you or come or, or are researching Native American roots, what is their motivation for that? Is there is there something that, yes. you know. It, I, it it is as varied as everybody else, depending right. on what what they want. Most times, I I do ask that mm -hmm. uh, because for one thing, uh, 
if they are sometimes if they tell me and sometimes mm. they don't tell me but if um if they if they want um oftentimes they will say well i have a uh, a junior or senior in high school and okay. they're applying for colleges uh, and, okay and sometimes it will be that they want to um to apply for any educational benefits mm. that they okay. might get. But sometimes it's the colleges themselves who are looking to diversify mm-hmm. their uh, their student body. Sure. And so they if they will give preference to admissions. Okay. That's um, a, a little tricky in this uh, political climate right, right. And right now. But sometimes it will be for that. Sometimes it's business people who are uh, wanting to uh, get a contract with the federal government or perhaps the state government. And they also sometimes will get preferential uh, treatment as far as being uh, getting government contracts. Mm -hmm. They will do that. Um, They uh, sometimes people will say they want uh to be on the the health benefits okay that the tribes get each of those where they are, are wanting something like mm-hmm. that i caution them that um to make sure that they understand that um a a better um reason is to find out about who you are rather sure. than what I can get, <clears throat> right, and right. and if it's what you can get, uh, I, yes, I'll do that for you. But uh, you can understand why people who are of that particular tribe would be resentful. Sure. And so we kind of go yeah. through a, a, an understanding there, and hopefully, somewhere in the process, I can convince them that that. You know, if that's really the reason you're doing this, mm-hmm. um, maybe you need to think about it. So. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, that was my kind of my my kind of question is, you know, I know with, uh, you know, with with uh, casino revenue and, and all these other things yes. that people talk about, yes. um, you know, it, it seems like it seems like a, a hairy subject for someone in your position. It, it is. And uh, it's. Uh, that's one reason that that I I have to say okay, it's it's possible that you at one time you had an ancestor mm-hmm. who was involved with the tribe, but you're not going to qualify for <laughs> any of those right, right. benefits because you you cannot prove that that ancestor was on the particular base role. Sure, and uh, think well, like some of the tribes have a not only a, a a base role you had to have an ancestor mm-hmm. but they also will have a blood quantum and you right. have to you have to be one quarter there's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of tribes yeah. that have a one quarter uh restriction you must have well you're gonna right. know if yeah. you have <laughs> a grandmother right, right. or grandfather <laughs> who is full blood indian yeah you think they're not going to tell you? Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, you would think so. So they don't usually come to me if, yeah. if that is it. Well, that's good. But, but um, 
because they're going to know. Yeah. It's usually those who are who have that story and it's farther back. Yeah. And it's a tribe that does not have a minimum mm. blood quantum. Okay. So uh, yeah. that that cuts out a, a lot of people. Sure. Uh, interestingly, some of the some of the cases have been uh, people who are members of the tribe that does have that blood quantum mm-hmm. one quarter restriction uh and they they uh they must be of that tribe i mean it's extremely restrictive right, right. I, I know someone who on his dna it was uh 89% native american mm-hmm. and 11% uh Eastern Asian which okay. you know, supports the land mass right. so basically 100% yeah. Very rare to find that. Yeah. Well, he was his uh he was on a, a tribal a particular tribe. Uh, he was on their council. His daughter, uh his when he was born, his father, his grandfather refused to allow his father's name to go on it because he mm. didn't like him. Yeah. So he went on the rolls as one half. Oh geez. Of this particular tribe. Well, the the daughter who was then listed as uh one quarter, which mm. she really was one half, her children did no longer qualify oh, for tribal membership. Yeah. Uh, that that was interesting dealing with, you know, the what the record said and right. what the tribal it, you know, so you run into interesting yeah. cases. Kind of based on our conversation, I think I know how you answer this. My last question for you, but if someone's researching Native Americans, what's the one big piece of advice you would give them if they're researching their Native American family? Learn about the tribe that you are wanting to connect with. <laughs> you you are not doing American Indian research; you are doing tribal research, right. and they were different. They were important. The other is learn to respect it. And yeah. to understand what their culture is, what their own heritage, what their own history is, uh, it's we have this mistaken uh, notion that history started, you know, when people arrived in Jamestown. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, but you know, I I I want to take them to Spiro, Oklahoma, where <laughs> the, where the the commerce and the the tribal uh, industry was alive and well long yeah. before Columbus ever sailed yeah, right. this way. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Billy Fogarty, thank you so much for uh, joining me today on Ohio Roots and sharing your expertise and your knowledge with with our audience. I really enjoyed this conversation. So, so thank you very much. Well, thank you. Wow, what a great conversation that was with Billy Fogarty. I feel like I learned an awful lot about how I can track down an ancestor were I to have one who might have been associated with a Native American tribe. I think Billy's approach to it sounds incredibly professional and thoughtful, and I'm really happy that she joined us today, and and I thank you all for listening to Ohio Roots Podcast. The Ohio Roots Podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Genealogical Society, the premier gateway for discovering your Ohio family history. Hosted by OGS Executive Director Noel Poyer and edited by Luke Poyer. 
theme song is Beautiful Ohio, recorded by Bob Stanley and his orchestra in 1944. To learn more about joining the Ohio Genealogical Society, visit www.ogs.org.